These Syrians, they heard the sound of this army that they, they couldn't see, but because it was dark, they, they heard it. God was freaking them out. They, sp- they spazzed out. They start running for their lives, realizing that they're going to die. And they left their tents, their horses, their donkeys. They fled for their lives. And then these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp. And when they went to one tent, they ate and they drank, of course, because they were starving to death. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Israel was powerless against this besieging army, but God wasn't powerless. He attacked the Syrian army simply by causing them to hear the noise of another army. The same God who struck one Syrian army so they could not see, now struck another Syrian army so that they heard things that weren't there. They ran from the camp and left everything behind, causing the lepers to take advantage of the spoil in the camp. As a result, the siege for Samaria was over, even though no one in the city knew it or enjoyed it. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 7 in the book of 2 Kings. And David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of the place Baal-perazim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. But notice verse 22. Then the Philistines went up once again, and they deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And at this point, most people think, Oh, we'll just do what we did last time. Let's just do the same thing. It worked. It worked. So well, let's just do the same thing. We don't have to think about it. Let's just do the same thing. Piece of cake. We've we, we done this. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And so <laughs> the Philistines, they went up again, and therefore David inquired of the Lord, and thank God he did, because God had a different plan. Notice this. He didn't presume upon what had happened before. David inquired of the Lord, and he said, um, shall I go up? And, he, and God told him, you shall not go up. But here's the battle plan, guys. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. Then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you. Notice, he's going to go out before you and strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so, and the Lord, as the Lord commanded, and they drove them back and slaughtered them. There was no physical army there other than David and his men. But God says, I'm going to go out before you, and I'm going to totally wig their brains out. They're going to be so scared that they're not going to know which way is up, and they're going to be looking around and trying, they're going to be so confused, and I'm going to psychologically just tweak them, and they're going to be easy pickings for you. It wasn't a fair fight. And hallelujah for that. I'm all for God coming to our help, because it isn't a fair fight, because you plus God is... A majority. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Everybody say that. Unstoppable. You plus God is unstoppable, and he is always victorious. 
Always. Spot on. Even when I fail, he is victorious. Never forget that. But you, minus God, you better pack up and go home. Because it's not going to end so well for you without God. But with God with you, super majority. I love that. So back in our text, therefore, verse 7, they arose, they fled at twilight, they left the camp intact. These Syrians, they heard the sound of this army that they, they couldn't see, but because it was dark, they, they heard it. God was freaking them out. They, sp- they spazzed out. They start running for their lives, realizing that they're going to die. And they left their tents, their horses, their donkeys. They fled for their lives. And then these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp. And when they went to one tent, they ate and they drank, of course, because they were starving to death. By the time they go into this one tent, they see, you know, uh, the filet mignon and the, and the corn on the cob already ready for them there. And they just sit down and they gorge themselves. And then it gets even more interesting. They went into one tent, ate and drank. They carried away from it silver and gold and clothing. And they went and they hid them somewhere. And then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also. And they went and they hid that. So now they're, they're, they're greed. They've satisfied their stomach. And now they're hoarding some gold. And then all of a sudden they said to one another, uh, we're not doing right right now. This day is a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment's going to come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So their conscience... Wonderful how the Lord does that. Their conscience begins convicting them due to their selfishness and their greed. And notice that the first thing they thought of was not the city or the other people or the king or himself. What's the first thing they thought of? Themselves. Self. Oh, wonderful self. All they thought about was self. Calgon, take me away. And no one would blame them for eating, certainly, and returning back to Samaria to share the good news because they were starving. But they made two different installments of hiding silver and gold and clothing. They, are, they also were no doubt poor, so this became a great temptation to him. But isn't it true what the Bible says? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They've done abominable works. <laughs> Verse 10, so they went and they called to the gatekeepers of the city and they told them, saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied. And in in the tents they were intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and he said to his servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And the king was thinking that this was a ruse of the Syrians. But it indeed was not. It was great deliverance. Great deliverance for a people and a king who were idolaters. Enter the grace of God. Was he not gracious? And letting these idolaters, these ones who had, who had resisted him and continued to serve false gods, they never stopped. And yet, it doesn't stop God from helping them and giving them, throwing a bone to them, loving on them. You know, I love that verse that says, The Lord causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. He causes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And why does he do it on the unjust? 
because he wants to win their heart. They will never be able to stand before God and say, Lord, you were never gracious to me. You were never kind to me. And the Lord's going, oh, no, I was. Let's reveal, let's roll back the tape, shall we? Play. Oh, look at there. That's me giving you guys food. And remember that gold and silver? Yeah, that was from me too. But I'm not a gracious God. I'm just a mean God. So one of his servants answered and said, Please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they have either become like all look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed I say they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. In other words, send out these men to see if this is so, because we have nothing else to lose. We have only to gain. And if they die, they're going to die in here. They might as well take the chance, right? And so, uh, and if God had not spoken to Elisha concerning this in verse 1, remember what it said in verse 1 of this chapter. God had given the prophecy of what he was going to do. But did anybody listen? They didn't listen. They could have stayed right there where they were and just waited And when the sun came up, they could have just walked out there and saw all of that plunder and taken it to themselves. You know, if God hadn't told Elisha and prophesied that they were going to be delivered and supplied with food and and clothing and, and silver and gold, if he had not done that, then certainly what they're doing would be a logical thing to do in the natural. Just send out a few. Because if they get ambushed and they don't come back, then we know that it was a ruse. Instead, it revealed again, once again, the unbelief of the king of Israel. Notice how Elisha's prophecy didn't produce any faith in the king of Israel. And yet God used Elisha. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about spiritual gifts and It says, but the manifestation, this is 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 7, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, notice, for the profit of all, not for the individual, but for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To, a, to another, different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But the same spirit working in all. And here God, in the Old Testament, gives his prophet this gift momentarily. He just gives it to him, the prophecy. The spirit of God imparting the prophecy. Verse 14, therefore they took two chariots with the horses and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army saying, go and see. And so, and they went from them to the Jordan and indeed all the roads. So if you think of this, here is, uh, if you were to look at a map and you had the Galilee up here in the north and you had the sea of, or the, um, I'm sorry, the sea of Galilee up here and the Dead Sea right here, uh, the uh, Samaria would be about right in the center over here on the eastern side, uh, western side of the Jordan River. So basically what happened is they went out to uh, about 25 miles from Samaria. Uh, they went up a little bit to the north, and then they um, actually from, yeah, they w- went down uh, yeah, to the north a little bit, and then over 
about 25 miles to the Jordan River, and they see along the road all of this stuff. They see the, the garments and the weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And so the messengers returned, and they told the king. And then the people went out, and they plundered the tents of the Syrians. And so, guess what? What God had said came true. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel, according, notice, underline this, according to the word of the Lord. And you can put chapter 7, verse 1 there because that's where God gave to Elisha that prophecy. And it gets even more interesting because he also told that officer of the king what was going to happen to him, that he would see it, but he would not taste of it. And so now the king had appointed the officer on whom he leaned on to have charge of the gate. Now think of this. The gate of Samaria is there. There's one way in and one way out. So Joram puts that man, his officer, at in charge of the gate. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're in a building and you're standing in front of the only entrance to a, to a, a place and, and there's a fire inside and you're standing there, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be a rug. You're going to be a, a you're going to be run over. You're going to have Nike and Puma and all kinds of insignias all over you as people run over you. And that's exactly what happened. You had a hungry, desperate people who were starving. They find out there's food out there. All I got to go out is a few miles into the uh, Jordan Valley, and I can have all I can eat. And then we got all this silver and gold and these clothing. And God blessed them. And notice the, the mercy of God, too. He didn't even kill the Syrian army. Do you see that? Once again, their lives are spared. They lose their goods. Because they were idolaters too. But God uses the goods of an evil group of people to help his own people who had become evil. Isn't that interesting? How can God use an evil nation like Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, this evil you know, nation and this evil, idolatrous king, he's going to use that hammer to hammer his own people. And then God will turn around and judge Babylon for what they did. It almost seems unfair. But their hearts were such. God didn't make them come against his people. In a sense, he did, but he didn't. He, you, know, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he allowed circumstances to happen, but their own will was engaged. They, want, they hated them. They wanted to siege them. They wanted to take over their land. And God was in that process. He just allowed man to be his nasty self, and he didn't intervene. He just allowed it to happen. He allowed the hammer to come upon his own people, and then God would ultimately judge Babylon again for doing it. And only God can do that. But God didn't make the Babylons, the Babylonians do that. They had a will involved here. That's what I'm saying. They had a will, but God knew what they were going to do. That's, that's a mind twister, isn't it? And so the king had appointed the officer on whose uh, hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. And so it happened, verse 18, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seas of barley. So really from verse 18 now through verse 20, it's really recapping, if you will, what we learned in the first two verses of this chapter. 
So verse 18, 19, and 20, just a recap of those first, uh, verse 1 and 2 of this chapter. And it says, Then after the officer had answered the man of God and said, "Look uh, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. They trampled him because the news of the food and the provision was there. And again, chapter 7 tonight really just reminds me again, it just highlights uh, God's faithfulness and his grace toward not only the king of Israel, but also the people of God, even though they were rebellious and completely in error. And the sad thing is, is that the king and the people continued to be in disobedience and in error. You know, there's an awful thing that happens when God is gracious and compassionate to us and we turn around and we spurn that offer and we continue, in in a sense, rejecting him when he has done some great thing for us, when he's blessed us in some great way. And that's just the typical heart of man, ungrateful, unthankful, unholy. But you know what? As we come upon the Thanksgiving season, we've got lots to be thankful for, don't we? We've got a lot to be thankful for. I am so thankful. I really, truly am. And the more I grow, the, the older I get, the more I'm, I'm so thankful for being born in this country, this great and awesome country that we have. Such an amazing experiment. And God loves us. He loves you. And I'm so glad that I know Jesus in this country. And I'm so glad he gave me his spirit. I'm so glad he allowed me in his great, great mercy to be in the ministry, which I could never deserve. I could never deserve it. I don't even have the skills and the ability. I still don't. I'm still, the Lord's still working. But I'm so thankful for that. And, and then to see the Lord throwing the king of Israel and the people of Israel a bone, and yet it didn't even produce repentance or a change of heart. I love what it says in James. It says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. God's mercy. Giving to us what we could not deserve. With, or excuse me, withholding from us that which we deserve. That's mercy. And then giving us what we could never deserve. That's grace. I could never deserve it. They deserve to die, and yet he withheld judgment. The Syrian army deserved to die because of their idolatry and their paganistic ways. They deserved to die. And the Lord just had a sound of an army that opened, opened their senses to it, and they fled, and they lived. And his own people who were involved in darkness now get this opportunity by God's grace to eat and to have money and to have changes of clothing, which was a form of payment back then too. And so I can't think of a better way for us to celebrate communion. Sarah, if you want to come on up and we'll, we'll take communion. But the mercy of God, as we take these elements tonight, the bread and the cup, the mercy of God is demonstrated in his son, right? Jesus Christ on the cross. Instead of judging us for eternal damnation, which I deserve, I know that I deserve eternal fire forever, where the moth, or where the, the, where the 
The fire is never quenched, and where the, the worm dies not. That's what I deserve. And I hate to say it, but you deserve that too. But aren't you glad that he didn't give that to us? Instead, he poured the wrath on his son once and for all. Once he did it, there's no more need for him to beat you up or to judge you for what you did because he took out all the punishment on his son. Christians, we need to believe that because oftentimes when we blow it, we think that somehow we've got to atone for our sin, but it's already been atoned for. We simply have to confess it and then turn away from it and, ask, and confess it and ask him to forgive us. And what is the promise? If we confess, he is faithful to not only forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the best deal in the world. It is the best deal. In the upper room that night before he was taken, you know, they just had a normal Passover meal. And it was something that they were all accustomed to. But remember, Jesus did something that night that had never happened before at a Passover meal. He took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And, and take it and eat it. And when we take the element of the bread, what we're basically doing is we're, we're acknowledging the death of Christ. That even before he died, he said, this is, this is my body which was, notice the past tense, was broken for you. <laughs> But it hadn't happened yet. But in his mind, in his heart, it was already a done deal. There was nothing that was going to prevent him from being on the cross. Even Pilate saying, I find nothing wrong in this man. Isn't that amazing? And yet he still got crucified. But his, his body was broken, and that's what he did. He took that Kabbalah, Chabalah bread, not Kabbalah bread, that's a whole different false religion, but he took the Chabalah bread, and he broke it, and he tore it off, and he handed it to the others. And they took and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And so let's take that, that element now. I think I prefer the Chabala bread. Is that, is that, am I pronouncing it right, Pastor David? Chabala, is that Chabala bread? Is that, what? Kala? Kala bread, okay. But then he takes the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the New Testament, of my, my blood. A symbolic token of what Jesus would accomplish on the cross. And there is no greater purity of blood than the blood of Jesus Christ. The only one who could have paid the price. There's no other blood, do you understand, in all of the universe that could be atoned perfectly once. Once and for all, but by the blood of God. Jesus Christ. I am so thankful for that, aren't you? So as we take this, we bring it down into our innermost part of our being, saying, Lord, I believe in everything that you said. I believe in everything that you did. I believe in you and everything about you. I believe it. And, I'll prove, and, I, and I'm, and I'm going to demonstrate that by taking this right to the center of me. So let's do that. Lord, thank you for being such an awesome God to us. And thank you for the word, Lord, how it just encourages us, Lord, and how it just shows us, Lord, that we're, we really haven't changed in the few thousand years that uh, we've been around the human race, Lord. We, we are all the same. And, Lord, uh, the exhortation, Lord, uh, is all the same for us, Lord. And uh, thank you for being patient with us, Lord. Thank you that for everyone here, Lord, I pray that you bless and encourage them tonight and tomorrow, Father. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name we pray.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.